given day. And I believe you will agree with me if you will say that it is a beautiful day. A new day that is packed with new mercies. A day that has never been before. And after it is gone, it will never be again. Thank you for coming and joining in where we can give God all the praises today. As we lift his holy name, let us give him all the praise, power, and glory that is due him. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanking you for allowing us to see not only this new day, but this season of thanksgiving. Father, we may not have the clothes to wear or food to eat that we would like to have, but we, Father, we just want to say thank you anyhow. We may not even have a bed where we can lay our heads at night, but thank you anyhow. We may have lost loved ones that won't be joining us for Thanksgiving dinner this year, but Father, thank you anyhow. For we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The greatness of the Lord. The love that is shows. your hands together in here.
Yes, God is great, ain't he? Yeah. All right, our scripture for this morning, it comes from Daniel 3, and I'll be reading the first uh, verse, and that reads as follows. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, which height with three score cubits, and the breadth of three uh, thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plains of Dura, in the province of Babylon. God's word for God's people. Let us go in prayer. Father God, all praise, all glory and honor. Lord, it belongs to you. We thank you for another incredible day. Jesus, we gladly lift up your holy name and join all others who confess you as Lord and Savior. Let nothing hinder our worship this morning. Let no hesitation in our praise and our worship. Lord, right now, move in this house. Father God, we thank you in advance that your, our prayers will be answered according to your will and your purpose. We thank you for your mighty hedge of protection that flows endlessly through us each and every day. Father God, we also thank you for the promise of your magnificent heaven and the hope of your eternal life. We thank you that these promises are true and your goodness that never failed us. Father God, we thank you, and we can't thank you enough, but guess what, Lord? We're going to try. Once again, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the peace that surpasses all human understanding. A love that's truly unconditional. And Lord, joy, unspeakable joy, Lord. We thank you. Heavenly Father, right now we pray for our beloved sick and not shut in. Continue to uh, strengthen them, Lord, and give them and encourage them also. We offer our condolences to our family and friends that's going through bereavement. Just continue to wrap your loving arms around them too, Lord. And Heavenly Father, lastly, for the spoken word for this morning, continue to let it meditate on our minds, our hearts, our soul all week long. These and more prayers in your Holy Son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, Kay. Well, it's time now to bless the Lord through our giving. We understand that fully worshiping God includes offerings which are given primarily for three reasons here at Cain Chapel. First, we give because it demonstrates our obedience to God's word. Secondly, we give as a sign of our thankfulness for God's supplying provision for all our daily needs. Thirdly, we give because we want to see God's kingdom grow through the missions and ministries that occur here and around the world through K Chapel. Now, there are multiple ways in which we could give. You can give the, traditionally the envelope system, the K Chapel app. And those of you that's on live stream, you may be able to give by utilizing that number that's on your stream. But whatever you do, give freely liberally and joyfully for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen.
Sunday, it comes to that time when we are given information on those that have lost loved ones, places, people that you can go visit that needs your help, needs your prayers. But as of 10 o'clock this morning, I have no report of any loved ones lost. All praises be to our God. But I do want you to continue to pray for Sister Lillian Stratton, the daughter of Sister Nancy Roselle. She is still at home recovering from surgery. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so much.
bless the Lord. Give thanks for what he has done. How good he has been and how good he is to us. Even in spite of us, he's still a good God. And we owe him some praise. We owe him some praise. For waking us up this morning, we owe him some praise. For keeping us all last night, we owe him some praise. For keeping the death angel away from us, we owe him some praise. For just him being good and being God to us, we owe him some praise. Oh yes, oh yes, what a mighty God we serve. says give thanks give thanks to our beloved pastor pastor Buckley in his absence to the officers of this church and my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus I greet you with Jesus' joy for indeed it's another day's journey I don't know about you but I'm glad about it Amen. I'm glad last night wasn't my last night. Amen. 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 Listen, lest I keep you too long, our scripture today is found in Daniel chapter 3 in its entirety, but I'm going to not read all of the verses, but a couple of verses, starting at verse number 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof rather six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at which time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. 
And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fire furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The words of God for the people of God. I want to talk with you today briefly from the subject, going through it. Going through it. You know, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety tests evaluate two aspects of safety. Crashworthiness, how well a vehicle protects its occupants in a crash, and crash avoidance and mitigation. And technology that can prevent a crash or lessen its severity. And they take a vehicle from a car manufacturer that is showroom ready and prepare to crash it to test how it handles in a crash. And most of all, how it protects what it's carrying. Let's try that again. The Institute uses a vehicle that's showroom ready, but will never make it to the showroom. The Institute uses a vehicle that is purchase ready, but will never make it to the garage of a consumer. The Institute can't use a vehicle that is below the standard of the other vehicles because the test would be inconclusive. The Institute chooses a vehicle that is purchase ready to crash it on purpose. The intentional crash is not for the vehicle that has been crashed. The crashed vehicle teaches the manufacturer about the other cars in production. Y'all stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And for the sake of the other vehicle, the manufacturer chooses one vehicle to intentionally crash. To save a line, the manufacturer chooses once one vehicle to put to test. And although the vehicle was intentionally crashed, 
Had it not been for that vehicle, the manufacturer wouldn't know what adjustments that are needed for the other vehicles. So one car was crashed to protect the others. Let's take it a step further. The vehicle that's chosen for the test is not a random choice. The vehicle chose, chosen is again a vehicle that is showroom and consumer ready. The manufacturer of the vehicle has already put aside the vehicle all the necessary components to either avoid a crash or make it crash worthy enough that little to no damage is done to what's inside the vehicle. So the vehicle is not being tested to see what needs to be put inside the vehicle. The vehicle is being tested to see how well what's already inside the vehicle performs when in a crash situation. And having it before a crash is great. How it holds up in a crash situation is the determining factor as to whether or not the car passes or fails under pressure. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 3, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. God has allotted each a measure of faith and inside of you, there is a measure of faith. The question is, can that measure of faith hold up under pressure? That faith increases based upon what the person with the faith does under pressure. You have faith. It's easier to say I have faith until faith is all you have. And I'm talking about when you run out of options and the only thing you can do is believe God. When the doctor has exhausted his education, when you've been laid off six months and you're down to what's in your wallet, when the bank says it's down to three days and you've got to come, they've got to come and put locks on the door, when dreams have not become reality, when they become nightmares, when your laughter have become hours of tears, how is your faith? question on the table is how will your faith hold up here's why it's important that you get this I've been sent to this place to help those of us that this may apply to to answer the question why me here's the answer you had here's the answer rather you had to go through it you had to go through it why why? I'm glad you asked. The first part of this answer, you may not like it, so let me get it out of the way right quick. You had to go through it, but it wasn't for you or even about you. God chose you because somebody that doesn't believe has got their eyes on you. And they saw your faith doing the good times when you went through. They never took their eyes off of you. And God used you to teach them what real faith looks like. Let me say that again. God used you 
to teach them what real faith looks like. And while others were walking around bragging about being saved and being sanctified and having all of this faith, you were living proof of faith. You went through and you survived what most folk died from. How? Faith. Faith isn't faith until faith is all you have left. Faith got you through what nothing else could have gotten you through. Sickness, faith got you through. Depression, faith got you through. Unemployment, faith got you through. Foreclosure, repossession, tears and fears, faith got you through. And if you didn't learn anything else during your go-through season, you should have learned to faith your way until God makes a way. Oh, bless his name. And, and watch this, watch this. Here's your shout, here's your shout. God is going to make a way. He's going to make a way. Matter of fact, he's making a way already. Yeah. The story in itself is simple to understand. It's the hidden revelation within the story that I want you to take a look at. You know, seminary teachers teach that you have to create tension in the text and create a situation for God to get out of. Well, without assistance, the text comes with tension. The very first verse says that Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. It was this image of gold that the king built to become the object of the people's worship. The king made a decree saying when the orchestra played that all will bow down and worship the golden image that he had set up. And if you notice in the text, it says at least eight times the king had set up. It's always somebody walking around reminding you of what they set up. What they did. How great they did it. And if it's about you, it's going to take you to sustain it. But I come to tell you, what God ordains, he will maintain. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar made a decree saying, whenever you hear my orchestra play, all people will bow down and worship the golden image that I have set up. Then he gave this warning to those that do not worship my golden image this person or these people will be thrown into the fiery furnace. He didn't say put before a firing squad. He didn't say put inside a gas chamber. This man said a fiery furnace. He wants you to suffer for not worshiping his golden image. And people will make your life hell when you don't do what they want you to do. But here's the shout. When it comes to your life, man does not have the final say. Oh, bless his name. Yeah. Man doesn't have the final say as to whether or not you will live or die. 
be happy or sad, be employed or broke, be healthy or sick, be married or single. The Bible says in Hebrew 12 and 2, two look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do all you can and say all you choose, but for my life, God has the final say. And I come to tell you, don't even trust your eyes. Because the enemy has a way of tricking you into believing what you see. And here again is the shout. Until your life looks like what God says about your life, God is not finished with you. And the question is, what is God saying? I'm glad you asked. He's saying you are chosen people. You are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and not the borrower. Even during this pandemic, God says, I am not done with you yet. The king made this decree. And despite the fatal consequences, there were three young men that had a different plan. The text says there were three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that had been taken to Babylon to serve in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. They were taken to Babylon to serve in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. They were about to launch a rebellion against the very one that they were serving. You can take me into your house, but if you do, I'm bringing my God with me. And if I can't bring my God with me, don't you invite me. If you're going to date me, you're going to date me and my God. If you're going to marry me, you're going to marry me and my God. And if you want me but not my God, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. After learning the language and literature of the Chaldeans, they were then given a high office over the whole province of Babylon. And let me just sneak this in. They served well on the level they were on, and then they were promoted. And we have to get to the point where we tell the Lord, deliver me from folk that want position without serving. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. They are leaders in Babylon, these boys. They are men of position, but these three gave no regard to the king's decree. They lived in the palace. They served in the kingdom. The king threatens the life of the citizens saying bow or burn. And these three boys ignored the rule. The king gave his decree a test run. He commanded his orchestra 
to play. And the people of Babylon bowed down with the exception of these three young men. You can pick me up at the eighth verse. It says, therefore, at that time, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And I find it amazing that as soon as you get a promotion, it's always somebody that got their eyes on you. Your life has become a fishbowl and everything you do, everything you say, every move you make is being monitored. And as soon as you slip, here they come with accusations. Why? I come to tell you. Number one is because they want your seat. Here's a problem with wanting my seat. I'm in the seat because I have the grace for the seat. And you will die trying to occupy a place that you are not graced for. The real reason why David defeated the giant Goliath and all the other soldiers ran from his challenge was because David had been graced for the fight. Any other soldier would have been killed, but David slayed the giant because there was given to him a giant killing grace. Not only do they want your seat, but then number two, they're mad because they weren't chosen. Stop hating on a place somebody else has. <laughs> you don't know what they had to go through to get it and what they're going through to maintain it. And when you hate on what somebody else has, you're inviting into your life what they went through to get it. They had the grace to survive what they went through, and are you guaranteed to survive if you go through it? Look at what they say, verse 10. 10 through the 12th verse. In essence, they said, you stated that when your orchestra plays, King, everyone will bow down and worship the golden image you set up. But here's the hate eration. They say, well, King, there are three young men you promoted that are ignoring your rule. Now, the king is furious. He sins for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He needs to verify what he heard. And don't you wish before folks start believing what folks say about you that they would verify it with you? They tell me that a lie will go around the world three or four times before the truth even put her shoes on. These three boys standing before the king. You can pick me up at the 14th verse. The king says to them, is it true? I heard you don't serve my God or worship the golden image I set up. And without waiting for an answer, the king gives them a chance to prove the people wrong. And I need to tell you that God says I'm about to cause you to prove wrong every word from the mouth of your enemies. Y'all missed the shout right there. 
Watch the text. The king commands the orchestra to play. And right in the face of the king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here's the orchestra and yet remains standing. Stand up for your God and God will stand up for you. Because God will show your enemies just how significant you are to him. They said in the 16th verse, King, we have no need to answer you. It's like this. The God we serve is able to deliver us. And here's what I want to leave you with. They said he will deliver us. And when you're going through what you're going through, the way out is to announce your outcome. They said, God is able to deliver us. Then they made the announcement, God will deliver us. And you've got to hold on to what you believe despite how things may look. And if you know God is going to deliver you, speak it until you see it. And don't let the situation change your mind or even diminish your faith. And that word deliver is what happens when you send something via mail. Let's say you put a letter in an envelope. And on the envelope in the top left hand corner, you write where it's coming from. In the center of the envelope, you write where it's going. I'm about to mess myself up. The envelope shows two things. Where it's leaving and where it's going. And after you write both, you then place the envelope in the hands of the one that specializes in delivery. And after the mail system does what it needs to do, your envelope finally makes it to its destination. And when the envelope is received, you see where it came from. And where it was doesn't matter because it's been delivered to a new place. And God wants to take us, even during this pandemic, to a new place. To a new place. He wants to deliver us, but some folk are still stuck at where I came from. <laughs> and not realizing God wants to take you somewhere else. He wants to take us to a new place. Listen, in a rage, the king does two things. He does them in a particular order because he was expecting a particular result. First, he orders the fire to be turned up seven times hotter than normal. He did this to see if they would then change their mind. They remained. You said you have faith, but now your faith is under pressure. Will you stand or will you fall? Let's go back to the beginning of the message. They chose a car for the crash test for the sake of the other cars that will be manufactured. Your faith is being put under pressure for the sake of the faith of somebody else. And how you handle what you go through will either increase their faith or cause their faith to fail. 
Let me just put a pen here and, and just say, I am amazed at how many Christians are falling under this pandemic. As though God has never delivered us before. Don't you know that this pandemic didn't catch God by surprise? He knew it was coming before it even got here. But he's watching us and seeing what we do. How strong is your faith? Jesus told Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Your faith cannot fail. You have what it takes to survive. Whatever the enemy sends you through, all you've got to do is just go through it. There's a promotion on the other side. So just go through it. Hard times, just go through it. Difficulties, just go through it. God knows. And he is going to make it that you get through what you're going through. First, the king turns up the heat in the furnace seven times hotter than normal. Then the second thing he does is bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And why do you need to bind me if you're about to kill me? Watch this. The binding wasn't about the three boys. The binding was to mess up the testimony of the king. God knows how to mess up the testimony of your enemies. <laughs> yes, he does. They bound them up and the only thing that was burned up was the ropes used to bind them up. <laughs> They tried to make you lose your mind. They tried to make you lose your family. They tried to make you lose your position. They tried to make you lose your integrity. They tried to make you lose your name. But the only thing you lost was everything they used against you. The text says that they were thrown in, bound up. Watch the text people could see on the inside of the furnace. They could see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he had, they had an audience. And it seems like the worst thing in the world is to have a problem that goes public. People get to watch you go through. They get to watch you cry. They get to watch you struggle. But here's your shout. The same people that got to watch your aggravation will get front row seat to your elevation. Let me add to the shout. You saw me fall, but I need to tell you, get ready for my favor. You saw the damage. Get ready to see the deliverance. You saw the hurt. Get ready to see the healing. You saw the tears. Get ready to see the testimony. You saw my pain. But get ready to see the power of God working in my life. They were thrown in bound. And the text says that when the king looked in, he saw them free. Let me help you 
redefine freedom. You don't have to be out of a thing in order to be free. You could be in it and free from it. They were in the furnace, but walking about free. And when the king looked in, the first thing he saw was them walking free. And the second thing he saw was they were favored. They were in it, but not affected by it. And here's why. They had made a declaration before going in that God was going to deliver them. And when you know the outcome of your story, when you know God's favor rests upon you, you have no worries about the situation that show up in the story. You do know he said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And you know that no matter what happens after once upon a time, you're going to have a happily ever after. <laughs> the Bible says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He gives us the victory. Let me get ready to go to my seat. When the king looked in, the first thing he saw was them free. The second thing he saw was them favored. But the third thing he saw, he saw four. King said to all of the leaders in the land, didn't we throw three in? The people said, yes, O king. Then the king said, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and the fourth man looks like the son of God. And I come to tell you, I don't care how much hell the enemy tries to take you through. I don't care how much devil the enemy tries to put in your life. The enemy will recognize when God has moved in your life. And they said, God will deliver us. And God did just what he said. God stepped into the furnace and walked them out of the fire and I come to tell you God will walk you out of it whatever it is you're going through God will walk you out of it he's walking you out of poverty walking you out of pain walking you out of tears out of disappointment out of unemployment out of hurt out of the abuse out of your past God is walking you out of it and they went through it walked out of it now they got promoted because of it. The king brings them out. And the Bible says in the 27th verse, not a hair was sins or the smell of smoke was on them. This is how God is bringing you out. Even though people saw you go through it, you won't look like what you've been through. But you had to go through it so that when you survive it, somebody else will have this testimony. I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, 
my life is in God's hand. And we have to trust God in the midst. I know this is Thanksgiving season for the world, but every day for us is Thanksgiving. And shame on the one who calls themselves children or child of God who only celebrates giving God thanks on the day that the world celebrates having turkey. Every day is a day of thanksgiving. We give God praise. And you almost didn't make it. But thank God you survived. You may have almost lost your mind. But thank God you survived. You may have, all, may have almost given up. But thank God you survived. And because you survived. And I'm looking at your faith. I will survive. Because you survived. And me looking at your faith. I'm going to make it. You know, it was one Friday. They led our Jesus up Golgotha's hill to a place called Calvary. They didn't know what they were doing. They laid him down on that cross and put nails in his hands and riveted his feet. And they lifted him up. And even in the midst of him dying, he had enough love that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They put a crown of thorns on his head, pierced him in the side. He hung there and, and he died. The Bible says he died. Y'all believe he died? If I had voice, I'd hoop. He died. I said he died. Died until the moon dripped in blood. He died. Until the sun refused to shine. He died. But they took him off of that cross. Put him in a bar of tomb. But the Bible says it was early. It was early. It was early. Early Sunday morning. He got up with all power. All power in heaven and earth in his hands. All power. And because he lives, I can live. Because he got up, I can get up. Because he's all powerful, I have power. I can praise his name today because he lives. And even though I may go through it, I know I'm coming out because I serve a God who is able. Go through it, trust God, and know that he's working it out 
for your good. God bless you. Don't have to worry And don't you be afraid Joy comes in the morning Troubles, they don't last always But there's a friend in Jesus Who will wipe your tears away And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. Yes, I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. I can take it With him I know I can stand No matter what may come my way My life is in your hands You don't have to worry You don't have to worry Don't you be afraid Joy comes in the morning Troubles, they don't last always For there's a friend in Jesus Who will wipe your tears away And if your heart is broken Lift your hands and say, oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, I can take it. powerful message. Isn't God good? Whatever we are going through, God is in it with us. If we're in the fire furnace, God is in it with us. We thank Reverend McGee for delivering such a powerful uh, message. Now, reflecting on his message, once you hear a message, there comes a time for response. But as I reflect on the invitation, I'm reminded of a story of a man who was a poor man. His life dream was to take a cruise 
He worked many years until he finally saved up enough money to take a cruise. And on that cruise, each day around breakfast, around lunch and dinner, he stayed inside his cabin or in his room. And one of his uh, neighbors noticed that this man would always stay in his room. And while in that room, he would uh, eat salmon and bologna and crackers and cheese. So his neighbor asked him, why do you stay in your room every day? Well, uh, he said, I don't have the money to go to the dining hall because I saved up just enough money to pay for this crew. His neighbor said, sir, <laughs> when you pay for your crews, you pay for the food. I've come to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that it's paid for. If you're here today, if you're here today and you're not saved, I want to tell you that it's paid for. Your salvation is paid for. It was paid for on the cross some 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is accept it. The door of the church is open. If there be one, come now while there is time. This is your chance to respond to God's grace, his unmerited grace. He died for you, you, and you. Won't you trust him? Will there be one? God bless you. Amen. That's a good story. I might have to use that one. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy and the presence of his Holy Spirit in this place today. Thank you. Let me thank Pastor Buckley for allowing me to be able to come home and to share at home. thank my brethren in the gospel, these preachers who are here with us uh, today, and thank you, amen, for being attentive as I attempt to preach. Amen. I ain't mastered it yet. I'm still working on it. Amen. 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 As I say at St. Thomas, it's chicken time. It's time for us to go. God bless you. God keep you. Shall we stand? Gracious God, how grateful we are to you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you, O oh God, for allowing us to be able to come together one more time to share in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for being here with us. And we pray that you would bless every home that's represented here today. God, that whether they're 
physically here or watching us, bless in a mighty and special way. We thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and God, even for what you're getting ready to do. We give you praise. We give you glory, and we give you honor. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of us, now, henceforth, and forever. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people set together, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you.